DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. A reminder, when you go to your next Utah Jazz game, visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6. Their free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Time to welcome in Dr. Chris Hill, the former Utah Athletic Director, now enjoying the sun. Right. Pool in the summer, golf in the fall. Right. Winter, if maybe today might help. I like to cross-country ski, okay. and I uh, fell into something called uh, spike hiking, where if the trail is too icy, you just put some these uh, spikes on the bottom of your hiking shoes and just go out and enjoy the outdoors. So there you go. Downhill skiing is done because the grandkids are too good, and it's embarrassing, so <laughs> I'll stay away from that. <laughs> and painful. So we wanted to have you in to talk about uh, the Utes going to the Rose Bowl. Uh, but not so much the short term, more the big picture, mm-hmm. long term. And I'm curious at what point um, it all seemed real to you, like, this is going to happen. The dream, all the work, we wanted to end up here, and now the Utes are ending up in the Rose Bowl. You know, there's a bunch of little things that happen along the way that each of the football coaches won a big game and mm-hmm. was a step, you know. And uh, But we, um, and Urban and I have talked about it, when we beat Cal— uh, on Alex's first game, and it was a packed house. I kind of turned, looked at Kathy. I said, "We can be somebody." Now, before that, when Ronnie beat uh, uh, BYU down at BYU, that was kind of a marker, yeah. if you will. And then Urban had a marker, and Kyle's obviously Alabama was a marker. But all on the way, we kind of felt that we kept. If you think about it, we kept chipping away, mm-hmm. you know, and that made it solid. So it wasn't just a fly by night thing. So, kind of building along the way. But at the same time, uh, what, you you got athletic director like eighty eight. Is that was it eighty seven? Eighty seven. So you get the job at that time, and you're you're a young pup, and you've spoken about how you know when the job, if the job ever came open, <laughs> your qualifications at that time weren't right. enough. But nevertheless, you got the job. So what are you thinking in eighty seven as far as your football program? Well, I, I tease people because I said so. I'm thirty seven. I'm. Uh, Irish Catholic Democrat from New Jersey, and I get the job at Utah. So anything's possible. There you go. And and Richie Smith, I was just talking the other day because we were reminiscing, and uh, the first big fundraising thing I did for the – we were building this football complex. It's not even close to yeah. what it is now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I went in there and sweating bullets and gave him my speech and how we're going to be great, how we're going to do this, and – Richie said, you know, we love the university. When we left, he said, we love the university, but that guy's a little crazy. (laughs) And now we laugh about it because – and I left, and that was the – I always tease somebody. Richie disagrees, but he wouldn't. I said, uh, I left the thing and asked for a million dollars. To say a million dollars was really hard. A million. (laughs) And then I walked out, and they didn't flinch. I said, damn, I should have said two Two million. million. (laughs) And they called the next day and said, we're in. I'm like going, damn, I made a mistake (laughs) on that one early on. But, yeah, I think I was pretty delusional from the start. I was really confident and in my own kind of quiet way. So uh, had Ron McBride on TV and was asking a similar set of questions. And as much as people go to games and seasons, he said if he had to pick one thing, mm-hmm. he thought it was building the stadium. Because there's just a permanence to that that elevates the program the way you know players come and go and coaches come and go. <clears throat> but the stadium, it just... It, it just made it possible to schedule differently and recruits look at you differently. And so if you come in in 87, I think the stadium opens a decade later. So how long did it take? You're asking a million for the 
facility, and you had to get that facility built to get the football coaches out of the basketball right. arena because you were behind right. at that point. Oh, jeez. Yeah, right? Yeah, that was oh, not I a great look. It. And they all were in the same locker room. Oh, my gosh. That's what we laugh about each generation comes back because, mm-hmm. like, Jordan Gross will say, I can't believe these guys don't get it. And then you'll get <laughs> a year later and somebody right. come back and say, I, that facility, I mean, you got it, all TVs and all. So it was kind of a building process, but it was kind of fun. Yeah. So was the stadium realistic to you right from the get-go? Was that it? With the day you get hired, was that on the list, like you got to do a stadium? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. With or without uh, the Olympics, because that was the hardest fundraiser I ever did. Because everybody thought the Olympics paid for the whole thing. Yeah. Or Eccles paid for the whole thing. And, you know, the uh, Eccles gave us their their $10 million, one of their mm-hmm. biggest gifts ever. But they, the guys borrow $52 million and say, go get them, Tiger. And uh, the Olympics gave us $7 million, but it was three years later. But everybody thought they built it. So that was the hardest fundraising. So uh, that was a really stressful time. But we all knew we had to do it. All knew. And, you know, it just had to happen. There was no option. Sure. When it happened, yeah. you know, the, as soon as it could possibly happen, we need to do it. You know, but you know, you start off at a big stadium like that, and you have some empty seats. That's tough on selling tickets. You know, but when we got that one game I told you about, everybody got on fire. Yeah, I remember the game very well. Yeah, I, Urban and I both was it Thursday or Friday night? I don't know. It was the most important game we think we had in just two years. And then you talked about Alex Smith, and on the other side was a guy named Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? (laughs) We people don't get that, and then. You know, we all know the story. Alex got number one draft choice, and Aaron was sitting in a green room with yeah. nothing. And now Aaron is what? Alex had a really nice career. He had a fine career. He had a wonderful career. People now, don't yeah, get Aaron, Aaron Rodgers Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, I always tell this story of how far I've seen the program come. I mean, I have to admit, I'm not coming to Utah. I come up, uh, born in Jersey myself, moved to Arizona, working in California. I come up here. Uh, because it was enticing for the idea to cover someone by the name of Rick Majerus, which we could go about 25 hours on that one. Um, <laughs> I got a bunch of stories. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I wrote down a bunch of them. I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. Yeah, yeah and I certainly have, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, working for the yeah, newspaper. You do. Yeah, you do. And I can remember in the early years, uh, I'm. you guys have a, a basketball game. It's a non-conference game in December. It's right around when bowl time is being announced. And you remember, and uh, you walk in those doors, and your your office is to the left. The other folks are down to the right, and they had a little table where I would come up from downstairs and write my story. So I would set yeah, up I in that, that area. Yeah. Set up in the area. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting. I walk in, getting the computer set up, and you had just gotten the uh, call or some type of information that you guys were going to go to the Vegas Bowl, and you came out of the office, and you were you were just on cloud nine, yeah. man. Yeah. And you had to walk by me to walk down that hall to tell your folks, and you could just see you were so excited yeah. that Utah's going to the to the Vegas Bowl. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> like tons of, well, it's kind of funny because. That was the. I hope I do this right because I have a hard time with all the bowls now, and even when I was there, and uh, that was the first one we earned. Yeah. Okay. We went to the bowl uh, in Arizona, Tucson, and yeah. I'm on a Thursday night talking to my, one of my mentors, Fred Milne. He says, "You just got buy more money. You got give them more money. Buy more tickets. Even you're not going to sell them." And I'm going, oh, gosh, and here I am. I'm making a quarter-million-dollar decision on Thanksgiving night. Next day, I met with some donors. said, we got we got to pay $250,000 more to go. 
And we didn't, you know, we earned it, but, you know, we were six and six. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, that was, the Vegas one was one where I'd skipped out of the office. And right, I, right, I was, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey, guys, we earned this. Yeah. They're, they're asking us because we earned it. And right. That's what's so cool about the Bulls along the way the last 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Chris Hill joining us in studio, former Utah athletic director. So uh, when you look at the, the jump to the Pac-12, did it seem bigger at the time, or is it a thing you look back in retrospect and think, well, we did it because we had to do it? But, man, looking back, that was, that was a bigger jump than we knew. That was gigantic. I always tell people now we, we jumped the Grand Canyon. You know, if you look at it, and we, you know, we worked really hard. Uh, we kind of knew who we were. You know, we knew that Colorado had to get in, Texas had to not want it, and we had to be dressed up and ready to go and make it easy for them, you know. And I don't know if this day and age with the politics around here, if we could have jumped so quick. But that, you know, we worked so hard. But it was gigantic. It was it was the changer in the program, I think, and no for question. the long term. No for question. the long term. I mean, it was, you know, every part of it was was good. And the, fa- and the faculty, you know, there's, there's a lot of research done on, you know, the Ivy League and the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You are the company you keep. If you do that thing, you say, I'm going to name a school for you. You name me the other one. Yale, Harvard. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. they play football. Tufts yeah. is a great school. It's in the same area. And so, you know, when you start to say Stanford and Utah together, it kind of is a fun thing for people. So even at that point, I want to ask you about your vision of Utah going in from the athletic standpoint, because I can recall talking to you and you were saying that going forward here when we were before it was all about conference titles and could could you win Mm -hmm. volleyball and whatnot and you said hey now that we're going to go into this conference using volleyball as an example that we could finish eighth and still go to the NCAA whereas before you couldn't do that at all it just wasn't feasible in 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 the wax slash mountain west days and so uh, your vision of success for the athletic program in the Pac-12 at that point, to me, I agree with you, is an ultimate game changer. And I, and I tell this story. I was in the restroom at Sun Devil Stadium covering a game. You guys were down there playing. And Pac-12 uh, official walks in, and I introduce myself. And he's, we just love having the Utes in the conference because we know guys like you have made it such a big deal in some places in the conference. You know, we're so far down in the pecking order of uh, media attention, whereas us, we're talking mm. college football 12 months out of the year. It's because there's not 13 months. And, we're, <laughs> and, and you know, we're, we're talking everything related to the program, and that just doesn't happen. So I thought, and, I, and I'm getting a little long here, That's too. Okay. Uh, First year that the conference tournament was in Vegas, which I think was like the second year for basketball. Yeah. So the right off to the when you go in, there was like a media room there to pick up credentials. And at that point, Utah basketball wasn't very good. And I'm speaking to another guy, and he says to me, "Oh man, we're so excited to have mm-hmm. the Utes in here, but at the same time, we know okay they're down now, but they're not going to be down mm-hmm. forever because there's so much passion. Yeah. So in my mind, listening to these people, I thought, hey, this transition it's going to be a little maybe a little rough early, but give it a little time and it is going to take off. What was your vision at the time, 2010, as you rolled into the conference in 2011? You know, as as an AD, you're you're sitting there going, okay, what expectations do you tell your staff? And are they disappointed or are they not? You know, every coach I vividly remember going and visit with every 
quarter I would visit with all the coaches in football. What do you expect? Well, you know, going off, we want to be somebody. We always say we don't want to just be in the league. We want to be somebody. And uh, I said, guys, you know, if you get in the middle of the league, we're going to go to bowl games. And, and then they're disappointed. I said, guys, wait a minute. If I came in uh, 10 minutes later and said, I expect us to win championships right now and go to bowl game, they'd say, this guy's nuts. Yeah. You know, so for me, it was uh, two, two things. I mean, if I can get back to the, the whole banners and stuff in the arena and what we promoted. But it was just a, an, an opportunity to say, OK, it was, this was fun. We'd sit down and say, okay, what do we want out of this team? What, what would be good? And then I went and told the university administration, we're going into debt the first time. I'm not going to let football and basketball and gymnastics and women's basketball and volleyball, at least I listed those, to not have the resources. We had enough against us because no disparaging comment to the players we had in the program, but they were Mountain West players. Sure. So you had to transition them out. Right, so I exactly. said, uh, and our football facility from a a $16 million project became 32. You know, so we had to really ramp it up, but the fans were, you know, obviously into it. And they knew, and we just as a staff said, hey, we got to be somebody. We just can't be down in the bottom because you've established yourself as somebody. And then we just kept building on that. And uh, my expectations, uh, getting back to the story about the volleyball team, I said, let's take down all the banners everywhere that are league championships. And let's just put NCA stuff because that's what you do now. I mean, you can come in fourth in a league like I think Arizona did years ago when they won the Nash, national yeah, championship. I think they were fifth. <laughs> so you don't want people walking in there and uh, and um, saying, "Geez, when was the last time we won a league championship?" Jeez, let's yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Cal has a banner up from 1950s about football. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it seems. So, and I thought that's our goal. Our goal is to get in postseason play and do some damage. That's what I used to say. You know, uh, I the advantage of being there for a while when this all happened is I didn't have to put together some 80-page five-year plan. You know, I was able to kind of put it together in regular terms, so we didn't have to spend a lot of time making a five-year plan that would impress everybody else. Uh-huh. You know, we, it's pretty simple. You now we had all the th- we we would have a list of all the facilities that we needed to improve, and we had deadlines on them. And you said, if we don't do this, we're gonna do this financially, or we got to do this. And and so I'm being long-winded, but it was a, a long, fun process uh, for me personally, and it gave everybody like, wow. We're in the big time. We somebody which somebody uh, the late Cleone Eccles. I'll never forget. And she was one of the most wonderful ladies. And she walked into one of our facilities and said, "Wow, this is us." Yeah. And she goes, "This is us." This is before obviously the Pac-12, but we worked hard at it. But it was fun. Chris Hill, former Utah Athletic Director, joining us in studio. He's going to stay with us for a little while. Coming up in the next segment, we'll talk to him about three big coaching hires that shaped the football program over 30 years. The long climb from the bottom or middle of the whack Mm -hmm. to the Rose Bowl. We'll talk coaching hires with Chris Hill next. Stay with us. Good. This is Unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. We have with us Evan Dudley, the UAB beat writer. Anything you feel about the game? Who's going to win it? First thought, I'd probably have to go with BYU. Obviously, they had a great season. Uh, you know, better Pac-12 record than half the Pac-12. They beat the <laughs> Pac-12 champion, you know, head-to-head. But I think BYU, uh, probably the better talented, better team. But UAB is also a team that gets the most out of its players. They're going to play physically, and they're going to try to give themselves a chance there in the second half against a really good team. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 
It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save 1400 bucks. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Chris Hill, join us in studio, former Utah Athletic Director, a little memory lane stuff. <laughs> How do you get from the bottom or middle of the whack, depending on the year, but that's mm-hmm. where the program was in the 70s and 80s. You get hired in 87, and here it is 35 years later, and Utah is in the Rose Bowl. So a lot of things happened. And when I asked Mac, you know, he went straight to the stadium, but a coach isn't going to say, hey, these coaching hires have been right. something, right? right? I mean, there's some things you're just not going to say. Yeah. Uh, but I think the rest of us can say, hey, these coaching hires have been something. Mm-hmm. You can clearly see how every one of these last three coaches was the right person at the right time, elevated the program, and accomplished important stuff along the way. I'm curious, was there ever a time when you were hiring those coaches that you that you almost went to somebody else or didn't think this person would come? I mean, mm-hmm. were they all slam dunks, or could any one or multiple of them fallen apart? I guess we know about Kyle, because that played yeah. out publicly with BYU, but I'm, I'm curious about elsewhere. Yeah, the Urban thing, you know, that was... Until he got off the plane and signed his contract, I, I was still petrified. You know, I mean, he came in. I don't know if I told you guys his story, but we go visit him, three coaches in uh, Denver and airport with Bernie Matchin. And, you know, we leave and we say, okay, well, you know, Urban's our guy, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, we were still pl- supposed to go visit Joe Glenn in Montana. And uh, you guys raise your hand if it's boring, okay? Because then no, we we're can good. move to something else. Yeah. Okay, so so we say, all right, we got to go. And we said, Irving, we got to have you come out on Sunday or Monday. And he goes, geez, I, I can't because I've got to go to uh, something in New York that honored uh, Earl Bruce or something, and something like that. And uh, so Bernie and I say, okay, we're going to fly to uh, Montana and talk to Joe. And and then um, the it's fogged in. We can't go. So... Uh, Bernie and I say, well, we'll, let's get some breakfast. So we went to breakfast place and I go home. I think, man, this is the time in coaching. You have no responsibility right now. Nobody, everybody, you know, there's nothing I have to do. I'm going to take my son to go to a movie, you know. I walk in the door and Kathy goes, red alert, red alert. I'm going, "What what the hell is this? And she goes, Urban's coming out. And he called up and I told him, you're his number one prospect. And I said, well, yeah, but that didn't help my negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of put me in a tough position. But at that time, he, you know, they, they didn't really have, he didn't have really a big time lawyer. So it was more he and I. And then we, of course, worked through the night with his lawyer to get the contract. The late John Morris, we're sitting in a hotel on a Tuesday, but he's got to tell his team on a Wednesday. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. I'm going, oh, God, what are you going to do? And, uh, you know, I've had other friends since then. In fact, Urban with Notre Dame was an interesting story. But so Urban was scary. We all know Kyle was seven o'clock was no. I said, you know, I'll go find a coach now. And and uh, I still think Utah's going to have better athletes than BYU. I just feel that. Mm-hmm. He says, well, give me a little bit of time. And he called back at nine o'clock. And he's coming. Ronnie was a little bit different because we didn't have as attractive job. Yeah. And each coach we hired, we kind of needed something different each time to improve the program. And we all know Mac had a great relationship with uh, the different segments of the population sure. of recruits. Yeah, you gotcha. know, I would say, you know, uh, he, he had a great relationship with Polynesians and he kind of understood uh, the LDS thing. Sure. You know, he, yeah. he took players early on that I'm not so sure were good enough for the program, but he could prove 
at least I haven't even talked to him yet, so he might not have thought that far. But I kept thinking, yeah, you take some of these guys, and maybe they're not as good, but then you can prove to the really good ones that you're on your way back. So the hardest thing is letting somebody go. I mean, we're down against BYU 49 to nothing with 542 to go in the second quarter. My dad's there from New Jersey, and he's going, this is a pile of you-know-what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, and I think to our fans, now nobody will remember that, but you imagine us being down 49 to nothing to freaking even the you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. <laughs> and we're sitting there, so I let Fossil go, and I'm just getting the hell beat out of him. And you know, and, I, and you, you just don't hear from the people that agreed with what you do. You right. know, it, 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 those people are silent, and that's why some of the people in the department were so warm and wonderful about it. But man, I called my dad. and He goes, "Why don't you just move back? How do you deal with these people? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's about winning, Chris. What the hell's going on?" And yeah. so that was kind of a start. And then hmm. McBride was, uh, you know, not as hard because he really wanted to be here. And we didn't have the resources to really go get somebody else. So each one had a story. Each one kind of made, you know, Ronnie got us good players and it and beat BYU yeah. realistic. That was know. so important. And I don't know that that oh. registers with people now. But no, that was that, that and not Jurgensen field goal once is a fluke, but three in a row yeah, four, sets it apart from yeah. the win in the seventies and the win in the eighties. Yeah, I told Ronnie about two years ago, and I don't want to be disparaging any BYU fans, but we beat him at home twice. And what they used to do is they used to have their senior blanket award after right the after the game. They were so confident, right? And then we beat him in '94, and our band's going crazy. And we beat him in '96, and they really did have to change it. So we we helped change a tradition. Not that we did it, you know. I, I thought it was rude that we would be playing during that, but but I think you know beating BYU at BYU was a marker, you know, and then three in a row was a real marker. And uh, and one of our plans was to hey, let's see if we can split with BYU because when I got the job, we were two and eighteen over the last two decades, and they weren't close games. Yeah. You know? So anyway, Urban, you know, shows us what big time is, you know, and Kyle just took the toughest job. When you follow somebody like what Urban did, I mean, that's a tough job. And he had his Waterloo where it almost fell apart. But, you know, he's done a, obviously he's done a great job. Yeah, I think one of the things that you deserve a lot of credit for is after you got into the Pac-12 you had the first season, and they were able to be successful. I think you won eight games. The division wasn't very good. And then he goes five and seven the next two years. And, you know, I, I talked to him, like, uh, after the the second, the, I think the last game that went five and seven. And I talked to him, like, five hours later, and he had no energy. I mean, he was just rock bottom. I mean, these people take this so hard, and I'm sure you know that, too. You've seen it in these coaches. And, I mean, he couldn't even muster a sentence. I said, I'll talk to you later. It's like six hours after the game. Yeah. And then you did not let him go. I wonder in today's world how much pressure there would be on the AD and the university to let a coach go who went two, five, and sevens, and it doesn't look like we have no idea what's ahead. How did you deal with that? What was going on at that time? Because two, five, and sevens at the same time, I can't tell you the number of people. I got a ton of youth fans in my oh, neighborhood. Yeah. They want me to pay this. They keep increasing the price. I'm not doing it. That's it. This is the last season. And I'm yeah, a, right. I mean, if I had a buck for every time my neighbor, this is the last season. They said it like five. Now they don't say it. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> now, now, now. We're right. Can... But at the time, there was all this stuff going on. How difficult was it to stay the course? Well, you know, um, well, not really that difficult. I'll tell you what happened. 
I, 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 I didn't want to pull the trigger, although I was getting a lot of pressure both internally and externally. But after the game, I walked in. <laughs> this is what I loved. Before we got into Pac-12, you didn't have as much bureaucracy. Once we got into Pac-12, everybody was on the bandwagon. Everybody wanted to be a part of decisions. And some things are simple. You know, they're not. I always tell somebody if, if a coach walked into my office and resigned, would I be happy, sad, or ecstatic? You know, I thought about it with Colin. I think he's, he needs a chance. But after the game, and he looked at me like, why are you telling me this? I walked in, I'll never forget, because I never was down on the sideline during a game. I would come I know down you weren't. after, and I didn't right. want to be in the, I didn't stay in the locker room when they presented didn't. things. Yeah. I waited in the hallway. Right. And he comes out, and I said, I said we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to anybody. We'll be fine. So at that moment, and he looked at me like, what do you mean I'll be fine? You know, uh, and we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he had his Waterloo. I think that's the year we lost twenty-seven to nothing at UNLV. Right. That, that was, was his, that was before. That, that was, was his, his Waterloo. Mountain, that was his Mountain West Waterloo, and which was also was yeah. was something that was important mm-hmm. that he rebounded from. So, right. so he's had like two reboundings. Yeah. And and I think that you you got to be realistic, and we were realistic. And then Kyle, you know, I had a lot of faith that he. Uh, he knew football, and he was tough. He is tough. He's tough. And, uh, you know, I just hung with it. You know, I thought it was simple. A lot of people didn't, but I thought it was simple. So, so I you saw, excuse me, Dave, you saw something in him? That- yeah, I, I didn't see this. I didn't see the Rose Bowl, <laughs> but I thought he could be in the top three or four of the league. You know, and the way we were recruiting and all that stuff, I, I always <clears throat> thought that, we weren't a national program. We wanted to become national, and we started to get some kids from national places, you know, Florida and other places. And, and I thought, you know, we're improving our recruiting. So, you know, it, it was it was hard, but not as hard as other things I had to do. Okay. So the the two times the program has not been in a glorious spot under Kyle. At the start, he's after that Vegas loss, he's sixteen and thirteen. Right. And he's trying to follow the man, which is hard. And I don't know if people remember, but the roster really emptied out after the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> yes, the cover got real bare. Yeah, so did. that was part of it. But at the same time, you're wondering, uh, is this real? I remember asking PK after that, like, is this really going to work? I remember that. Yeah, it was at the end of a show. Is this really going to work? Like, don't play radio. And, and he was like, 50-50, I can see it working. But I can also see where it doesn't. But then compared to the Pac-12, I thought in the Pac-12, the two five and sevens weren't great. No, but there no. were a bunch of games where they weren't that far away, right. and they were. He was talking about Pac twelve athletes, and it's changing. Right. And you could that's a, that's a thing I remember out, now. I remember it. that now that we really weren't fully equipped. I didn't think the Pac twelve that quote unquote slump was. I don't want to say it wasn't a big deal because it's a big deal, but it, it didn't strike like it's six when you're sixteen wins and thirteen losses in the Mountain West, and you're in your third year, right. and Vegas smokes you. Yeah, we follow enough programs that we know other programs have taken left turn and right. headed south at that point. Yeah, yeah, and I and I that was a scary time because I thought to myself, man, what happens if this continues? Yeah, uh, you know, we're in trouble. Right. You know, but I, I think that we had some good stuff going on there and uh, different kind of recruits coming in and. You know, one of our scheduling things, which you guys always rip me about, is, <laughs> is I, I made sure that we were three and zero going into the. Oh yeah, we you're three and zero no matter who you play. Uh-huh. You're in the top twenty, no matter who you play. You look at it, look at it next year. We go to the Alabama, and not no disparaging. To, we played Weber State and had a tough game. So Kyle, if you look at his record, he's like 
what, like 30 and one in non conference. You know, and we thought, you know, you give them three wins to get started, 30 and two. Jeez. Well, this year. This year. Oh, that's right. Forgot. BYU and Utah State. I forgot that one. game. I, did, I forgot that one. But, oh, three. San Diego State yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he he got a start on that to help mitigate how tough the league was, and we had to. So the you know if we could go to bowl games when we were in the Pac-12 early on, that kind of even though the record was, would you have to be three and six to be six and six? Basically, yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, if you get if you get three wins, uh, and who thought I, I, who thought we'd beat BYU that many times in a row? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we did, but anyway, it was. Um, a good way of also mitigating some of the challenges. Mm-hmm, sure. All right, one more segment with Chris Hill. We will do that next. Stay with us. The former Utah athletic director talking about the the climb from the bottom or middle of the whack to the Rose Bowl. More with Chris Hill in a moment. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Prepping for the holidays, Zero Res can help you clean up before and after the festivities. Keep your carpets clean well into 2022. Give Zero Res a jingle by calling 801-288-9376 or book it online at zeroresaltlake.com or if you're up north at zeroresdavisweber.com. All right, we've been talking with uh, Chris Hill, memory lane stuff as the Utes build uh, over the course of 30 or 35 years from the uh, middle or bottom of the whack to the Rose Bowl. And so uh, I guess your, your plans for the Rose Bowl here. Oh, you kidding me? I get to, this is going to be my favorite bowl. The rest of the bowls, I had to uh, had to work and worry, and all that stuff. Now I just get I got twenty four tickets we bought. Uh, you know, my brother's coming from New Jersey for like a twenty four hour visit, and <laughs> you know, I just it's just going to be fun. I'm just going to have pure fun. Root for the Utes. You know, they fumble like and bitch a little bit and do this and do that. <laughs> and, uh, but I, it, it feels so good to be, have been a part of it. You know, I mean, it's not me. It's all the way along the line. We are talking earlier. Everybody in the staff bought in to mm-hmm. the steps we were going to make. We had to look each other in the eye and say, all right, we're going to beat BYU at least two or three times out of five years. You know, and that today now said, oh, is that your goal? I said, no. At that point in time, that was a realistic thing. Mm-hmm. If we realistic to put that as a goal, you know, and well, you know, BYU helped us a lot because of their facilities and the passion for our people trying. And then we got into Pac-12, and then it became nuts. For sure, you know, it went crazy. It was great crazy. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I look forward to being down there in Pasadena. To me, you know, I, I used to work in the LA market, so I have experience with the Rose Bowl. But and I've said this for years for for you fans, if you can afford it, because I don't discount the oh, cost. Oh, it's expensive, it's right? Like, oh. and, and, yeah, so I don't I don't make light of that because I didn't grow up with much money. I'm doing fine now, but back then, uh, certainly not as a kid. So uh, the overwhelming amount of pride you're going to have for university mm-hmm. when you see that team run out of that tunnel, yeah. it's going to be. Uh, I was there. I saw your eyes when you watched 50,000 people pour into Sun Devil Stadium. I was yeah. looking right at you, yeah, yeah. you and Liz Abel, and you, both of you were beaming, mm-hmm. as you should have been, because it was an incredible sight. And uh, Sun Devil Stadium is right next to heaven. I think it's so high up, so you've got that. And you can see people you know, feeding well, into the Well, once a year, there's a good game there, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, nice. <laughs> Bingo. Nice. <laughs> I'll let you have that. Um, but I think this is going to oh. supersede anything. And the amount of pride 
that this university is going to have when that team runs out there in the Rose Bowl with what I call the San Gabes in the background. And God's a Rose Bowl fan because it's always 65, 70 degrees oh, that day. I think people move from the East Coast to the West Coast because of the Rose Bowl. You turn it on, you'd be freezing. <laughs> Tell them the story, DJ. Yeah. He's <laughs> 10 years old, and he looks at that, and he's like, it's the middle of the afternoon, the sun is out right. at 70 degrees. They take a shot, everybody's in shirt sleeves, yeah. everybody's smiling. I can't go out because if I shoot baskets I'm growing in up the in driveway, County, New Jersey. Yeah, if he shoots yeah. baskets in the driveway, the ball's wet, his fingers are icy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just it's like... That's heaven. What am I doing here? Later in life, I'm getting there. I'm 10 I'm years old, there. Chris, and I literally had that thought in Persephone, yeah. New Jersey, thinking there's a place like that in our country yeah. that I can go to. I'm going. Yeah. Well, it, you know, you weren't the long ranger. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of those things where one of the guys, when we went to the championship, the final four. I, you, you, tradition has it that you'll call a couple ads before there and said, "Hey, what what'd you do? What were the big things?" They said, "Make sure you do one thing: go on that court, take a breath, and look around because it's pretty cool." <laughs> and I can't wait to go to Rose Bowl mm-hmm. and just sit there and watch the team come out and say. This is us. You got to feel a sense of pride because you played a significant factor in this. You're not there now, yeah. but you're still there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm st- now. I think I'm the grandfather of the group. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it feels good. But it's. You know, I hope you guys don't take it as me patting myself on the back. It's just, you know, so much everybody and so much. But it was fun. I mean, there were a lot of risks along the way, but at the same time, we had really good people, good coaches all the time. And good support from everybody. And that coaching thing going forward, Kyle's not going to be there forever. And the goal is to have a program that is competing each year. And you look at, and I think I told it up, since the Utes have been in the Pac-12, just the South Division, Count and Lincoln Riley's had 21 coaches. And Utah's had one. So 21 to one. And But there's going to be a time here at some point in the future, whether it's near or the next whatever years, when Kyle Whittingham steps aside. I, I think that if the program's in a good spot, which I anticipated being, that you need a Utah guy in there. Because Kyle, when he took that job, and I talked to him that night mm-hmm. of that uh, BYU-Utah yeah. thing. I was on the phone with him yeah. and going back and forth, and, and I actually said, man, I think you, you're you a Utah guy. And uh, he ended up obviously doing what he did. Uh, I think they should go in that same direction so you're not getting in a situation of what Oregon's in. Oregon's a premier national program, but what would you say, DJ? Four, Four coaches co- in 10 years, five coaches in 15. Mm-hmm. Bilotti had a 14-year run. But since then, wow. three coaches have done four years. Helfrich got fired. The other two took off after their four yeah. years. So, so what's your thought on that? Well, you know, um, <laughs> this is going to sound... So, whoever you hire, they're really good? Yeah, that's the question. That's the leader. That's priority number and, and one. I For think, sure. And yeah. I think, and I'm, I'm not saying this any other way. If somebody from within is the best, go do that. Uh, and do it quickly. Uh, but if you still think there's things out there, you, you need the best coach. I always felt that, um, you know, I told you where I'm from, and, you know, I, I'm the antithesis of Salt Lake City, but it didn't take me long to integrate myself there. And I wasn't a Utah guy by even close. I didn't know whether Colorado or Utah, which one was further east and west <laughs> and all that stuff when I came out here. So I, I, uh, I'm kind of. You know, I know a lot of guys in the staff, and you know who we're talking about. I don't want them to feel like I don't think that should happen, but just make sure that you feel this is the best coach. Right, but I, I make them stay. Do what you can to make them stay. See, I think that not necessarily the best coach 
is the best coach for Utah. Right. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. It makes total sense. We have a formula for recruiting. So I, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, so I'm kind of uh, playing both sides of the fence, which I think you do with coaching because you don't know who the people are. And I, having been in the business so long, I'm always so sensitive about people's names and stuff being thrown out there because it can ruin people's career. The formula you know? for recruiting, I think, is yeah. really important. That's so important. And, and we haven't gone into stuff players. that's gone wrong in the last 30 years. We're staying very positive oh, okay. here today. Oh, yeah. There, well, that's there was, just me. But the, but the stuff that went wrong with, ba- with <laughs> basketball, <laughs> okay. But with basketball, Rick had a formula, and I don't think anybody's really tried to re- recreate that formula. And he had a really specific formula, and it worked. Well, uh, you, knew, you know, he was a savant. People always ask yeah. who was better, Whittingham or uh, Urban or Majerus, and I don't know the answer to that to this day. Majerus. What was more fun working with, that's an easy <laughs> question to answer. Majerus's problem is he was too smart. I tell you what, and you say his formula. I, I don't know his formula. He, had, he could go over... I know this is about football, so we'll be real quick. He could go over every single play in the game. But as every it was a play. projector. If it, he, yes. He had yes. a projector. I would sit there in the press room. In my early days, I would try to question him it, but then he'd be on like, I'd miss like the next seven plays because I'm trying to recall one. And it was like he was looking at a film of the game, and the rest of us were looking at the wall. His mind was yeah, just off th- the This charts. applies to all sports. And I, I've told everybody this define everybody's role. He was ruthless with that. What do you mean I'm not a three-point? Well, he made Drew Hansen feel like when he set a screen for Keith Van Horn that he was a better player than Keith. You know, And a lot of coaches don't really do that as much because that makes for good team play. You're not sitting there saying, well, if I go to a game off the bench and I go three for three, three, three I'm going to now be the star. No, not with Rick. No, no, not no. with Rick. And so that's the same thing in football. I think, I think Kyle's been a good job at taking people from the offense, put them on defense or vice, and they know their role. And then there's camaraderie. There's not, and so I don't know if you can do that again now in certain places. You know, we were talking off the air. What, what do you mean not not gonna play if I don't play defense? You got to be kidding me! They call their AAU coach and say, "Well, let's get in the portal if they're gonna make yeah, it defense." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to be kidding! It's Allen Iverson, you're talking defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it's hard. I don't know. Rick couldn't have survived in these days. I don't think because, you know, so yeah, I had for another, a lot of reasons. <laughs> I had another member of the media tell me that for a lot, not for every coach. But for a lot of coaches, both football and basketball, that the combination of the transfer portal and the NIL, they're just going to be like, no. What do you mean? They're not going to want coach? I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I think people that have made their mark, made their money, right. they're going to say, you know, this is crazy. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think the portal's more um, uh, uprooting things than actually the NIL. I really do. The portal's more disruptive. Mm-hmm. I think so. Because the NIL, I mean, you're going to get guys that can make a lot of money and this and that, but, and they say people are going to cheat, but, you know, now it's just out in the open. You know, it's nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no <laughs> question. And we all know stories of cheating. Uh, looking from the Pac-12 perspective of the football playoff, what do you think will benefit the Pac-12 the most with any type of change to the playoff format? Uh, the, the, at league championships, league champions have to Automa- go. Automatic. That's it. Whatever formula they come up with, that's what the Pac-12 needs. And so, how many of that? Five? Uh, five right now, yeah. So and they could grow. I've heard two plans. One is 12-team playoff, the, and the original plan was the six highest-ranked league champs, and then the next six teams, regardless of I'm, whether they're I'm champs or not. But now it's 12, the Power Five, one G5, and the next six. I think there's only one season where there's an example of 
two G5s get in front of a Power 5 and squeeze it out. And that's last year when Oregon, off a of five- or six-game schedule, as a second-place team in division, Washington can't go, and then Oregon wins the game. Yeah. So it yeah. seems like there's very little risk to the Power 5s, and yet they're unwilling to take it. Is it really good for college football to have a Power 5 and a G5? Wouldn't it just be better just... I mean, it's realistically because of money. That's how well, it's going to be most uh, of the time, is, anyway. Yeah. the the, pro- the problem is that basketball's regular season means nothing now, and so uh, football. If you winning the league championship doesn't mean something in November, mm-hmm. you know, you know, there's all the other bowl games you go to, but you know, I feel I don't think they're motivating factors to go to some, you know, weed eater something bowl, yeah, yeah. and uh, but it could diminish the regular season if you don't have the hope. Of winning your league championship means you go to the biggest of bigs. Mm-hmm. I think it can enhance the regular season because then you can have you don't need to worry about going three and zero. So you could potentially, I mean, I know for confidence sake, play tougher issue. teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the non-conference exactly what can I do. be a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right now I, I think they're doing a good job of playing tougher teams right now because you know they're playing a couple of non-conferences, but it's a sensitive thing. But if your league champion. Can be guaranteed to go to one to the playoff. You play anybody you want. I agree. I anybody got to go that. They got to go that. Is yep. uh, is Utah at a point now? You were talking earlier about how Chris Hill joined us, former Utah athletic director. That when you went into the Pac-12, you wanted three games where. In a bad year, you're two and one, but mm-hmm. in most years, you're three and zero. Right. That's exactly. And that's how you set it up for a decade. Mm-hmm. But now there's a home and home with Florida. Yeah. And BYU is on the verge of being a Big Twelve opponent here. Mm-hmm. Not. You know, by the time they come mm-hmm. back on the schedule, they will be. And there's been talk of this alliance, so I don't know if they're going to keep an SEC game with Arkansas or if that's going to end up evaporating. Mm-hmm. And they're going to play a Big Ten or ACC opponent. Is the program at a place where that's okay and manageable, that everyone's going to be playing 10, quote-unquote, Power 5 opponents? Yeah, as, as long as you have a chance to win your league and go. But if you don't, if you're, if you're a Pac-12 school and you lose a non-conference game, I think Oregon did that a year ago or a couple years, Two years ago. ago yeah. And, and you, you know, is anybody going to go through nine league games undefeated? No one has. So yet. then you got yeah. a two-loss Pac-12 team going against a two-loss SEC team. You're never going to win that, you know. So the the reality is, oh, you're, you're talking that, about the, the from the committee standpoint. Yeah, I, I skipped two paragraphs on that. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Okay, thank you. And so. Uh, you know, now it's if they can do that, you can play anybody. And, right. and you know, mentioned I'm. This sounds really strange. I am really glad BYU's in the Big Twelve, really, because it makes it just better. You know, for us, with uh, there's no brainer now scheduling because they're in the same deal. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And, and you know that that's really good. They're they're going to have their league schedule when they have it. They're going to open. You know, so uh, although I know they missed somebody the year they play Florida. But being in the Big 12, uh, I'm biased because I love the Pac-12 and the cities we play and all that stuff. And I don't want to go to Lubbock and all those I places. You. But I, I think that really helps the whole uh, anxiety in the state sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a... If you have to cut off anything, you might want to do that. <laughs> I hope, somehow, I'm no, just no, that makes sense. I'm 0 for 20 when I talk about another school. No, come on. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm in last place. The thing we've learned talking about Utah and BYU is that if you say something about positive about one school, you're going to get blasted by the other fan base. And if you say something negative about a school, then you're going to get blasted by that fan base. Right. So if you talk about the Jazz, possibly, 
possibly you can say something that'll make you positive, make it make the audience feel positively about you. Right. But yeah. if you're talking about Utah <laughs> BYU, somebody he didn't say anything that wasn't some, right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But yeah. you know, oh yeah, it's, somebody's gonna say, "What are you doing? We had it right where yeah, we yeah. wanted it, Chris." Happy. Yes. You know. So yes. Exactly. So it's kind of one where I I decided that I have a I have a learning disability with talking well, about that. Topic. If you're gonna play them, and then if you should happen to lose to them. Well, it's, it's not a, that big of a deal. Right. Bingo. They're on the same level. Yeah. And, and, and if you beat that, them, it's a bigger deal because they're on the same level. Yeah, but that makes people angry when you say which level somebody said. Yeah. If all of a sudden you're playing so well, it's at a lower level. Oh, my God, the phone goes off the hook. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah. you got to look at it realistically. There's got to be some truth involved. Yeah, but anyway, but it's, you know, it's a, you know, been an interesting, interesting ride, that's for sure. And, you know, I'm pleased that when you leave someplace, you want it to be better and keep going. You did. And, and that's really, you know, I think that's the mark of what you can feel good about. And I'm talking about all the people I work with. You know, you mentioned Liz and, you know, the Marsdens. With their, it all adds up to, like, you know, uh, And, and maybe, maybe in a step further, because doing live shots for TV and doing post-game shows when I was doing radio at UC Santa Barbara, you see how many people break an arena down after a game? Like, the number of people that it takes to do this day in and day out. And the people who aren't front-facing, but they still got to be good. I mean, you yeah. walk into some place and an arena or a stadium isn't set up right and there's a problem. Oh, yeah. It makes the school look small-time. Like, they don't know what they're doing. So yeah. your, did a great your name and faces out there. We did a great job at that. We, yeah. we, I can say that because I, no, I sat across from the bench in basketball because if the, fa- if, the, if the scoreboard went out, I was the last guy to know what to do. And, <laughs> but we, I had so much confidence. OP, I just said, hey, just do a great job and, and we'll move on. So uh, it, it, we had to do – and that's part of the thing we did when we were uh, growing up to get in that league is that we decided, you know, I got on a lot of committees, got to know people, and we said every time a school comes in here, we want them to leave saying, man, that's as good a game management as I've ever seen. Sure. You know, yeah. and uh, you can do that. With, and the things we could do didn't take as much money as people think. Right. You know, and uh, so so many things that add up. It's, it's just been a blast. I was thinking of something else, but I can't remember it right now. So, and I'm allowed to do that now. <laughs> I don't have to worry about what I'm selling or what I'm doing or what happens, you know, I, you know. All right, well, have fun on the trip to Pasadena. I'll you got extended family and friends, so and yeah. uh, and you got a you got a guy on the job now, Mark Harlan, who's got to go all the meetings, and oh, you can just put on a shirt and go tie to, and go to a dance and a gala while everybody's out having a good time. Yep. So you can go you to know, the beach. But I I, I want to thank you guys for wanting to do this. Uh, it was enjoyable for me, and uh, all the way along the way, I want to thank all the people I work with, all the coaches, all that stuff, all the fans. Uh, you know, because that. It was all the deal. Everybody, the bandwagon was small, and the bandwagon kept growing. And Did. you can't grow. You can't get on the bandwagon yourself and make it grow. All right. One more thing before I let you go. Sure. PK and I talk about this, and then people tell we're nuts. I know, Yak. Sorry. I'll just apologize in advance. We're going way late here. Um, but we talk about other pro teams coming to town. People would be very excited to get Major League Baseball here. Mm-hmm. Recently, there was talk about the NFL. I don't think it'll ever happen because I don't think anybody wants to pay mm-hmm. for the stadium. But right. whatever. If it did, whatever. How big an impact would that have on not just Utah, but all the college programs? Because I look at the Pac-12, you know, Denver and Phoenix and L.A. and the San Francisco Bay Area all have all four of the major sports. Some of them have multiple teams. Seattle has three of the four major sports. 
would another pro team have a negative impact just because there's only so many people, there's so many season ticket holders, there's so much money? Is part of the magic of this place that it's bigger than Tucson, it's bigger than Pullman, it doesn't have all the pro teams. Is that part of the magic of college Absolutely. sports here? Absolutely. And that's part of the magic. And you go up to Ute Game, you say, I'll never forget Lavelle Edwards said to me once, he said, I said, what, were, what was your career? What did you feel most about? He says, I made Saturdays important in Provo. Yeah. And Saturdays are important in Utah right now. And mm-hmm. everybody had a part of it. So I, I if saying this a hundred times, but I don't want this to be about me. I was involved a lot and all that stuff, but it was a... Uh, so many people along the way. And I don't say that to be corny or anything. That's just the way it is. I can think of so many times where people lifted me up off the deck and said, Chris, you can't do that. <laughs> you, you better not yeah. do that or you'll get killed. So yeah. anyway, but it takes thanks a, to everybody. Yeah. It yeah. takes a lot of people to pull the rope and, and, and drag everything to the top of the hill. Yeah. It takes a lot of people yeah. pulling on the rope. Absolutely. Chris, we appreciate your time. Oh, Thanks no. for coming in. Enjoy. Chris right. Hill, former Utah Athletic Director. More in a moment. Yach's going to play this commercial break, and he's going to stop glaring at me. Stop glaring at me, Yach. That's next.